Hello, my name is Mark Ackroyd, Head of Advice Delivery, Strategy and Innovation for Lumion. Welcome to Lumion Live, the podcast for advice professionals that believe in a values-based advice experience, but still have that question, how does it all work? The Lumion Live podcast connects listeners with other advice professionals to hear best practice client stories or business examples and lifts the lid on how they made it happen. Today, I'm joined by Gavin Spitzner, founder and president of Wealth Consulting Partners based out of New Jersey, just outside of New York City. Gavin has 25 plus years working in and consulting to Fortune 500 companies with a breadth of experience. As well as being a strategy advisor across a breadth of specialties, he's partnered with numerous top 25 US and global banks, broker dealers, as well as asset managers, RIAs, and fintech wealth tech firms to develop and implement innovative advisor and client experience solutions, leveraging modern technology and processes to improve top and bottom line business performance. Gavin, to say I'm excited about today is an absolute understatement, and, and we're going to have a broad ranging chat about the role of technology in the wealth industry and how you've seen it done well and the emerging trends. Let me start by saying g'day and hello and welcome. Uh, and maybe let's tell us a little bit about your experience and in particular, the lens you, you look at FinTech through. Fantastic, Mark. Thank you so much for having me. Been looking forward to the conversation and I need to redo that some of that bio. I don't like the whole Fortune 500 focus. I love working with advisors, RIAs, uh, firms of all sizes on, on improving client experiences through that that combination of tech and and. and advice. Um, so I, I need to work on that. It was interesting hearing hearing come from you. So as you said, my, my day job is is running my little boutique consulting shop, Wealth Consulting Partners, work with wealth management firms, as I said, of, of all sizes, uh, shapes, and, and, and stripes on really growth strategies and designing better client experiences um, and all that encompasses from technology to processes structure, practice management. And it, it comes from my motivation to help firms, help advisors deliver better advice and outcomes to, to more people. Sim simple as that. At, at this stage of my career, I kind of want to take things that I, I, I hope I've picked up over time um, through work I've done with all kinds of different firms and advisors, really those best practices and, and apply those in, in meaningful ways. So that's the day job beyond that. Um, on a very selective basis, I'm a board member, an advisor, in some cases, an investor in firms that align with that purpose that I just described. One of those firms, in terms of the board work, happens to be Lumion. Um, so thrilled to, to be part of this journey with you, Santi, the whole team, um, and, and happy to go into some of the background on, on what attracted me um, to, to what you're doing and how that uh, manifest itself in terms of, of my purpose. Yeah, I think we'd love to. I think we're, personally, we're excited to have you on the board. Um, you know, someone with your wealth of experience and, and no doubt we're going to unpack some of that today. So maybe, yeah, let's, let's talk through what uh, either attracted you to Lumion and, and go from there into, I guess, how that translates into your purpose and, and how you're seeing the world of FinTech right now. Fantastic. So, it started, it was actually fellow uh, board member, he joined at the same time I did, Matt Brinker, um, who 
you know, legend here in the in the U.S. in terms of all the things that he's done to to advance this uh, this industry. And so he connected me with Santi, and Santi kind of had me at hello when he started describing what led him to to co-found launch Lumion along the lines of we've been solving the wrong problem and and we're not engaging the right people we're not connecting on an emotional level all those things just struck such a chord with me and very much and i'm sure we'll get into this that so much of the technology so much of the capability set in our industry it's all left brain it's all very investment centric maybe even planning centric but planning in the sense of you have a goal you've got you have risk tolerance you've got a time horizon what's it going to take to fund that goal which is important don't get me wrong but lacking that real human connection and supporting an ongoing process so we'll we'll, we'll get more into that um so yeah that's that's really what what attracted me something different uh, than anything out there something that was attacking the right issues um and and i feel obviously hence hence my my connection something that can advance the industry in a really positive way and help us serve more people more more effectively and and i was thinking about before we came on we spend so much time in this space focusing on solving efficiency issues which is great we want to increase capacity to be able to do all the things in terms of growth and, and better serving clients but I think I'll probably butcher this, but I think it's a Peter Druckerism. There's nothing more useless than making more efficient that which shouldn't be done at all. And we spend a lot of time on that. I, my consulting work, a lot of times I'll come in and there'll be some technology thing going on, and it's just recreating the old processes on maybe new technology. It's not fundamentally attacking effectiveness issues. So in my mind, our bigger issue in the industry is effectiveness versus efficiency. Um, how do we more effectively stage experiences that connect with clients in a meaningful way that actually impacts their behavior and improves outcomes, not just in terms of that long off goal, a retirement that might be 20, 30 years, but the journey throughout that process. I think that that for me is what is missing that for me is what Lumion um, helps address more than anything else. That journey, that ongoing process, not just something to get a client onboarded up and running or to achieve a long-term goal, but to make sure that the client is living their best life. And by that, I mean the client, the family, right? Could be two members of a, of a couple, could be their children, could be grandchildren, could be uh, other things in their life. Um, making sure that they're achieving the most they can with what they have. Yeah, it's um, you, you raise a really interesting point, and, and this is a natural tension point in a values-based advice experience, in particular one that might be powered by Lumion and, and focusing on a, a client's best life. Be, you know, at, for ages as an industry, our, uh, you know, our focus has been to get as quickly as possible through the advice process to a client signing up and we've we've sort of <clears throat> clouded that or, or put you know put a, a lens over that 
uh, around, well, you know, that, that goal might look like retiring at age 65 on a certain amount of money and, and Hey, presto, you know, 95% of all our clients have a goal that looks like that <laughs> uh, in our business. And um, yeah, it's, it's you know, inarguable that that's an efficient way to run a business, but the, the question we're asking, I suppose, and the, and the question you're saying is, well, that might be an efficient way to run the business, but is it an effective way to deliver a client experience to your client with their best life at the heart of it? Exactly. And, and don't get me wrong, there's nothing, there's a place for traditional planning software and, and, and tools to help onboard a client. So for me, it's not replacing those capabilities. It's getting underneath it's supplementing that with with an understanding of what matters to to these clients what makes them tick we know there's all kinds of research that that shows and we just know it intuitively right people want to work with somebody that gets them that understands them um there's all this talk in the industry around personalization hyper personalization personalizing advice at scale but the system is not set up to to do that the tools the legacy tools are all investment centric maybe planning, but again, more uh, financial gold type planning or cash flow planning, all good things, all have a place, but not really helping advisors at scale create that emotional connection and get deeper with a client in ways that as a client now, I'm more, I have more clarity around why I'm saving this much and why I'm making trade-off decisions and why I'm prioritizing different things so that, again, I'm I'm making the most of what I have and doing in a way that aligns as much as possible with the things that matter to me. And, and when I've, as an advisor now or an advisory firm, when I've got that connection with a family, if I underperform a benchmark, if something goes wrong, something along, along the way, I've built up enough trust. I've built up, uh, up enough connection that th th I'm adding so much more value. I I'm kind of a, I probably stole this term from Santa or, or somebody, but I become an accountability partner to my client where we all have, th we, at every step of the process, we both have things that we are accountable to the other to do. We've said these things matter. Okay, are you doing them? And then have a platform to actually show that. And that, from a platform perspective, this is the thing in my consulting, I hear more than anything else, Mark, it's, it's, even if I, as an advisor, run my practice this way, engage clients this way, then I go over to my tools and what I'm putting in front of the client, and it doesn't reflect that at all. It's, it's, I might have this amazing, deeply emotional conversation about the things that, that matter and what we're trying to, to achieve over time. But then the client experience is just market values and maybe what's my probability of hitting this 30-year goal. Again, good to have, not enough, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, it's fascinating. And we'll, we'll get into that conversation around matching the right tools, the experience that, that you're promising. Um, but you've mentioned a word a couple of times, which yeah, you, you can almost make money publishing the, the annual list of buzzwords in the financial planning industry, right? But I feel like- guilty. Of, I'm guilty too. Yeah, I feel like one of the biggest buzzwords that we're hearing more and more at the moment is, uh, is scale, right? Everyone's looking to do stuff at scale. I know 
Uh, in America, the, the scale is is you know through growth, non-organic, uh, inorganic, inorganic growth as well. Um, and in Australia, we're seeing scale because a lot of practices are merging together and, and people are buying books because people are exiting the industry. You know, in your role, you, you absolutely would see a ton of businesses that are trying to grow uh, and grow exponentially and therefore you know, have scale issues. When you're thinking about that, when you're working with those clients, what are some of the challenges that you're seeing at some of those bigger business levels uh, or, or, you know, RIAs that are scaling up uh, around their experience, their client experience and how they're, they're managing that scale challenge, I guess, for lack of a better term. Well, it, and it's scaling a repeatable process and, and a, an effective process back, back to effective. And this ha has bearing on you know, just the ability to, to, grow organically to win new clients, retain them. And that ultimately, whether you're selling now or at some point, and there's all this, uh, like you said, organic activity going on, this stuff matters from a valuation standpoint in a, in a huge way. I've seen it now from uh, due diligence on the PE side, looking at practices, looking at businesses, and this is understanding how they use technology. Do they have a repeatable process? Does data flow? Is there is there a seamless workflow? All those things matter enormously because it, it can't just be. Does an advisor, a single advisor, happen to be really good, regardless of the tool set, the the integrations, the connectivity? It has to be something where I can scale this thing and I can bring in um, new advisors and they can drop into this process and and succeed, you know, very quickly versus they can kind of make it up as they go. They can do what they want. The larger firms in particular, this is one of the big, big areas of focus. How do I create this repeatable, consistent process and, and build that on, on a scalable infrastructure? And that's across application connectivity, workflow connectivity, Data is a huge part of that. How does the data, how am I managing my data, all the information that I have from all these different sources in a really effective way? So when I think about scalability, it's process, it's technology, it's it's data. That that all comes together. Let's um let's let's go into I'm going to, this is where my Australian accent's going to not serve me well. I'm going to say data. <laughs> um, so, tomato, tomato. Let's, let's go into that um, because I think that's fascinating and it picks up on a point you made earlier. I think financial planners, if you step back and, and think about all the data that they gather, um, you could have a field day with everything that a client would say to you uh, what, what a client would give to you in terms of their financial statements and then how you plug that into your software is, is probably the, the challenge that we're working with. But you made a point earlier around mapping technology to your, um, to what, what's coming out of your mouth, your, 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 your promise, how you're actually dealing with the client's goals and values. If we link that back to data, it's very interesting to me and obviously with our Lumion bias, that we are very good at tracking financial data. Right. We are excellent at it. How, how do you see people tracking things like 
goals, values, um, to, to get that hyper-personalization at scale. How, how do you see that? Is it important in your view? Are you seeing people do it? What are your reflections on that? It's, it's critical and we're not doing it as an industry. We're not doing it. The bar, the bar has been low and I just don't think most clients or potential clients, I don't think they know what good looks like when it comes to that type of a process. And I'm a, I'm a research junkie, you know, look at every study and, and, you know, try to connect all the dots and, and there's lots of different research studies, data points that, that show clients are more than happy to share deeply personal information if they feel that there's reciprocation in the sense of, all right, you're going to take this and you're going to deliver better advice, more personal advice, content, things that matter to me. Uh, if, if you don't, I'm going to get tired of that really quickly. Like, why did I waste my time opening, bearing my soul to you and sharing all this information with you if you're not returning value? So the, the opportunity is there, but we haven't had tools. Uh, we haven't had a platform to really drive that, that type of intake and, and connection. Um, it, it may sound warm and, and fuzzy, this whole notion of creating that emotional connection so that they, they, you build trust and they want to share that data. Um, but for, for me, going deep into motivations, into values, it's good business. Um, so what do you mean by that? It's good business. Maybe tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, that, that if you build that connection with clients, they're going to, first of all, they're going to, when they get to a consolidation point, or if that, that could become the catalyst for a consolidation point, here in the US at least, wealthy families often spread their wealth around and have multiple advisors, three, four, five different advisors. They usually reach a point, maybe it's at retirement, maybe it's before, if there's a compelling enough reason to consolidate with somebody. So the advisor, the firm that's doing the types of things we're talking about here, Mark, they're going to be the ones that, that, that get that. So that's that's just good business. Share wallet, uh, stick your long-term sticky revenue, um, and referrals. Referrals. There's there's a, a generally a dearth of referrals for a lot, lot of firms and advisors. Because other than like cocktail stories about I, you know, I own this stock and look what it did from a true referral around an advisor, there's not a lot of experience that, that gets people excited enough to say, yeah, I want, I want to, this has been such a wow experience. I want to tell my friends about this or my, my family members about this. That's that for me is a, a huge part back to organic growth. Can you deliver that wow experience consistently where you're you're going to reach capacity quicker than you're going to run out of referrals <laughs> because because you're going to get those introductions and meaningful introductions. And why is it that you think a more uh, emotive type experience, for lack of a better term, uh, generates that word of mouth referral? more so than uh, an experience where, you know, maybe I've got better returns and, and I want to go and brag about that at the same cocktail event. Human nature, 
Um, you know, generally pe people, it's usually only bad experiences that get people to want to spend the time sharing that. <laughs> There's uh, most of the time good experiences are just kind of taken for granted. There's in our business, there's not a lot of a lot of wow experiences where people feel so good about the relationship, the value that they're getting, um, the impact. I mean, I, I touched on this a little bit earlier on. the The reality is in our in our business, usually, let's take a, a traditional couple. Um, one person is leading that engagement. And the other person really has no idea what's going on. Um, that for me is a big part of this. It's it's translating financial terms and 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 the meaning of the money, what it's there for, in ways that that both members can get engaged and have. Yeah, when you think about what the money's for, these are deep things. These are like, where do we want to live? What you know, what do, what do we want our life to look like? Are we fortunate enough where we can uh, transfer assets or, or donate uh, money to things that matter to us? Or even from a portfolio management standpoint, there could be things that if both members got were more engaged and understood what they could do from a, say, an ESG standpoint, now they, these are ways to build that connection, that more of an emotional connection, where it's not just this this uh, rational, uh, we're just investing the money and, and, and hopefully we get a decent return, but I'm able to inform that money with my, my meaning, the things that matter to me, my values and get people much more connected. Yeah. And I think by, by doing that, you know, the, the business impacts are exponential, right? Well, certainly, I mean, let's let's be honest. When when we talk about the both members of a of a couple, traditionally, there's obviously exceptions, but you know, very often historically, the the person that's been taking charge around the investment management is the male in a, in a male female couple. Women have been ignored by this industry. Uh, we know all the stats in terms of the the amount of assets that they control now that they will control over time. And we're just <laughs> stupidly uh, not paying enough attention to them. And part of that for me are it, it's the it's the proposition, it's the it's the approach where a lot of the traditional sales approaches aren't they don't resonate. They're they're not important. But when you start talking about what the money's for and how do, how how do you want to apply your wealth in a much more meaningful way, you know, this, what matters to me is helping my adult children, um, not too much, but enough and in smart ways, what does that really look like? What, and what, what, what's the financial implication? Now you're engaging people that might not be interested in, in sharp ratios in beta and, and all these things, but are very interested in how we can leverage these assets in, in ways that matter to us. It's, uh, it's funny, you know, that that's the reflection that we're all having uh, now in the industry, that we haven't been speaking to half of a couple and, 
And, you know, if we want to use tradition as a way to frame the conversation, we, we haven't been engaging um, the non-CFO spouse who traditionally has been the, the female and male-female relationship. And the fact that you're not speaking to both people where the money affects both of them is, is quite frankly, baffling. Well, it's hard. It's, it's not easy. And I, I don't think a lot of advisors are equipped uh, with the, the emotional you know, EQ and the tools to, to do that. And you know, the, the, the number one thing that will, will stop an advisor dead in their tracks is the risk of looking dumb in front of a client, right? They need to go in very confident uh, before they ever try something new, introduce something new. So I think when I, in my practice, when I think about tools and technology, it's always the adoption and the practice utilization that must go hand in hand because there's a lot of tech that just gets turned on at, at firms and is either not used or it's utilized very minimally because they don't have that confidence. So I think people will nod their head to say, yeah, what, what, what you just said is important. We should be doing it. But then we've been saying that for years and it's not happening because it's, it's change. It's a change management process. Tech is just one, one of those pieces. Um, and I think what we just talked about, it also has bearing around advisors. We've got this advisor shortage issue. I know you've got it in, in spades over in Australia, but it's here too. And the industry has not been attractive to lots of, of potential candidates because of, of the focus around finance and investing and the, 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 that interests a, a certain percent of the population, but there's a whole lot of people that have not been engaged where they look at this profession, I guess, as a profession and a way to, to help people in ways beyond just investment management. So I think this, this move that we're talking about here, I'm excited because I think it's going to open up the doors to attracting uh, younger, more diverse and, and more female <laughs> Um, advisors into the space, which we desperately need. It's not very often you get to spend time with someone like Gavin, with such vast industry expertise. So naturally, our conversation went for close to an hour. So we split the episode into two parts. To recap part one, we covered topics like the difference between effectiveness and efficiency, the emerging requirement for hyper-personalization within advice experiences, how a values-based proposition is good business, the impact of repeatable process and effective data flow on business valuations. And we began to unpack how a differentiated proposition will not only have impact on attracting new clients, but also attracting diverse talent to the industry. In part two, we'll continue to unpack the diversity conversation, as well as tackle things like how businesses may leverage this proposition to change their team structures, how good businesses stand out from the crowd, balancing the challenge between hyper-personalization and commerciality, what all the top growing firms do, and lastly, matching emotional propositions with advisor logic and expertise.